Hey, 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 how goes it? <laughs> it is going. <laughs> I was trying to think of something cooler to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's going good. It's going good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Guys, we uh, are coming at you. I feel like, is this the latest we've ever recorded? 10? Maybe. Or have, or have we recorded later before? We might have recorded later before. Like in person, I feel like we might have. And it is not KK's fault. Um, it is my jam-packed, crazy high school and homecoming week sport playing kids making me be everywhere this week. Guys, Lo is super mom. Okay, she's super mom. She's going. She's going here, there, and everywhere. She's yeah. killing it. I'm trying, but you know what? I'm not gonna make myself feel that special because there are plenty of moms that do it every day with more kids than two so once i have three four and five i tip my hat off to you because i have two (laughs) dang yeah (laughs) you'll look back fondly at this time though and be like uh good days running around to all the sports and everything yeah it's all fun stuff so yeah definitely um so okay i have to briefly talk about this movie that i saw it's called barbarian it's brand new i think it literally just came out like this past week or something um but it it has justin long in it and um bill skarsgård the guy who played the clown in it you when i tell you this movie it's like a horror movie okay it is a horror movie but it also you like be laughing throughout it and also, you'll never guess what's coming next. Like, you'll think, like, you know it's happening. And then something will happen. And you'll be like, what the fuck? And then something else will happen. And you'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's it's quite the journey. And I really highly recommend it. I really didn't know how I felt about it after, like, when it ended. I was like, what did I just watch? And I still kind of feel like that. But I also feel like you guys have to see it because it just takes you on such a journey. Well, when it comes out, you'll watch it again with me. Oh, 100%. I could watch, I would probably need to watch it like at least three times to digest everything that happened. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that was my uh, quick little, <laughs> my quick little promo for that movie. <laughs> I did not watch anything new this week. Like I said, I've been kind of like busy. And then when I come home and I actually sit down, I was doing research for the story. And then after that, I was just like, out. Yeah, passing out. (laughs) I don't blame you running around. What up, Dax? Hopefully uh, you're hearing this. This is the one that gets (laughs) you. Maybe we'll hook you with this one. I am very excited for today's story, you guys. Lo is taking us uh, through this. And I have like a brief understanding of just like a small portion of what it's about and it just is it just sounds amazing and I'm so excited <laughs> and she's already on this tinty bintsy little giggling so I like it because that means she's gonna giggle throughout the story oh yeah always <laughs> because there is murder it is a true crime but this is a light one and we haven't had a good light one in a minute mm-hmm. um so I figured especially after last week's dark um, this kind of, it's, I don't even want to say similar, but when you know, you know. It's more of like a 
breath of fresh air. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's like, too I mean, they both have, like, mine has someone living in an attic. Yours is living in a wall. So I guess that's the comparison. That's the connection. Um, but mine's not anything like yours. Like David LaPlante was just one flew of the cuckoo nest crazy. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and before we have you jump into it, um, we are back with another fave this week for the wines. We got our cupcake Moscato. Um, if you guys, you know, are are uh, supportive listeners who listen every week, you know that we love this wine. This is probably like our top fave i would say right pretty much one of them it's definitely a regular kind of go-to yeah yeah top top three for sure absolutely um so today's story i titled it good golly miss dolly already love it (laughs) obsessed (laughs) so today's story is about dolly asterisk um it's German name, so um, bear with me. We know I'm not the greatest on names, okay? You got this, girl. <laughs> so, Dolly Asterix was born Wallaberga Korschel in 1880. So, we're also going back. Ooh, taking it back to the 1800s. <laughs> Just for a minute. Love it. Um, so, she was born in 1880 um, to German immigrant parents. She was also named, nicknamed Dolly Dolly and Queen of Los Angeles. Now, it is unclear if she herself was born um, in Germany and came over or if she was born like right after her parents arrived in the U.S. So, but either way, she's definitely the German descent. <laughs> um, she grew up in Milwaukee. Wisconsin, um, and it was an area that was among the community of fellow German immigrants. At the age of 12, Wallaberga worked at a textile mill, and uh, Fred William Asterick, another German immigrant who had become successful and frequently hired immigrants to his factory. Um, She was, by all accounts, she was attractive, she was charismatic, she had many friends um, among her at the factory. She was quickly attracted to Fred. I mean, he noticed her and the two were married by the time she was 17. Now, I'm going to remind you, I think she was 12 when she started. Damn. Um, so there was a little bit of an age difference, but I mean, it is the 1800s, so times are different. You know? <laughs> Very different. <laughs> so as Fred's wife, she remained working in the factory and actually she became quite popular among her husband's workers, often peacefully resolving labor disputes by acting as kind of like the buffer um, because he was more of the straight business and he wasn't very liked by his employees. He didn't like the funny business. It was, you know, he wanted, you know, you know, if you can lean, you can clean, like, come on. You know, he would be very critical of his employees' work. Um, and she would go behind him and be like, that's just Fred. Just ignore him. You're doing great. Good job. Like, she just, you know, she kind of would smooth things over. So she was the she was the HR of the company. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so 
Dolly was known to be happy. And as the King Morrison from Dateline would say, she could light up a room. She had that sunny disposition about her. I can hear that in his voice, honestly. <laughs> um, it is noted that um, they had a son, but he did pass away um, at an early age. I'm not exactly sure how old it was. He was in his early teens. So that did put a little bit of a strain on the couple. And I mean, how could it not? Right. Um, but they stayed together. And for the most part, they seemed happy. Neighbors never noticed anything weird or strange. I mean... They would bicker, but again, what married couple doesn't bicker? On August 22nd of 1922, the couple went out. It turned out to not be a great date night, though. The neighbors heard them argue as they entered their home. A little while later, they would hear gunshots go off, and immediately they would call the police. When the police arrived, moments later, they could hear a woman's voice yelling, Fred, Fred. The voice didn't sound that close. As they entered the living room, they found Fred laying dead with three gunshot wounds. But where is the voice coming from? After several minutes, investigators followed the yells, Fred, to the master bedroom. And in that bedroom, there was a master closet. And when they opened it up, they found Dolly. She was still done up from head to toe from date night. Um, her makeup was perfect. Her hair was on point. Um, a little shaken up, but she was unhurt. And she begins to tell the officers what happened in detail. So Chief Detective Herman Klein is taking notes as Dolly explains. Well, you see here, we went out for the night. My dear husband and I came home and we started to settle in when a robber busted through the door. And well, my man ain't no wimp, he ain't gonna let his wife be tossed around like that either. He went to protect our honor. They scuffled over the gun and well, it just went off. He threw me into the closet and then the robber locked it and he left. Now, the chief is quite skeptical of this. So he begins to ask Dolly questions. Did you and your husband have a fight? Oh, no. Do you guys fight often? Never. Do you guys fight ever? No, sir. Never, sir. It also raised suspicions that Dolly was still dressed and head to toe, looking very fit in her makeup and, you know, her hair still in place. The whole persona was on point. And this... Also, the fact was that she was claiming that they never fought. Like, no couple is that perfect. Everybody disagrees. Everybody has a fight at some point or another. So he's trying to kind of make her say, like, you know, something. But she just continued to say that the marriage was perfect. And, yeah, he didn't like it. And the chief wasn't buying it. After searching the house and taking the evidence, the only thing missing was a diamond-studded watch and a wallet full of cash just laying there. I mean, spish, spish, right? Like, you have a wallet full of cash and they didn't take that? Yeah, the robber's not going to take the giant wad of cash. <laughs> when the crime lab came back stating that it was a 25-millimeter handgun, 
um, well, to Klein, that, my dear, is a woman's gun, in his opinion. Oh, how sexist of him. <laughs> Sorry. It is still in the early 1900s. You're right. 1800s. <laughs> or at this point, was it? 1922. 19? Okay. But he could not prove it. And how did she lock herself in the closet? So Dolly walks away free. There has to be something we're missing. Let's look at that evidence again, shall we? Okay. So now we're going to go back a little bit. Okay. Taking us back. Take us back, low. So the thing about Fred Astrick was that he was successful, but he worked long hours. And boy, Dolly, she had needs. And Fred was either too busy or too drunk to meet them. Dang it, Fred, pull your shit together, okay? <laughs> pull your shit together, my dude. <laughs> Give your woman what she wants. All right, right. One warm autumn day in 1913, Dolly found that her sewing machine was not working. She called Fred to vent her frustration, and he promised to send over a repairman. The young man showed up. To fix it, it was a 17-year-old boy, Otto Sandhub. She was immediately attracted to him. She wanted him. She had to have him. Now, she was probably in her 30s by this time. So he was 17. That gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. So Miss little Miss Dolly was a little pedo over there. <laughs> That's what you're among, telling other, me. among other things. Um, yeah. <laughs> while Fred spent all his extra time with Jim Beam or Jeff Daniels, Dolly spent her extra time with other men. She, oh. had, she had many lovers that she had taken on. Uh Dolly called and told Fred that the sewing machine in the bedroom went out. Dolly figured that Fred would send Otto over because she knew the teenager worked for Fred at the factory. And he did. Her her sewing machine just like mysteriously breaks every afternoon. When Otto arrived, he was met by a very sexy dressed Dolly wearing only a robe, stockings, and slippers. She doused herself in perfume and can we say DTF but um no gtl dtf hold the gtl (laughs) she's all about chicka wow wow guess so dang (laughs) dolly would lead Otto to the bedroom he worked on the sewing machine and she sat pretty much like nude okay damn girl He noticed as time went on, her robe was getting looser and looser, and she was pretty much IFing him. Like, oh my God, this sounds like a Miss Robinson situation. <laughs> she was, you know, not being very subtle or being very subtle. How should we say it? Yeah, no subtlety there with her. <laughs> yeah. So at first, Dolly and Otto conducted their relationship in an unusual secret matter. You know, you know, the usual. They would meet at the no-tell, motel, holiday holiday (laughs) Um, So she would fake fevers so she didn't have to go to work. And instead, she would sneak Otto over. 
Fred would have late nights at the local lodge, you know, slash bar. Um, and yep, she would have an auto night. After a while, meeting outside the home became a burdensome, and the two began having sex in the ostrich bed. No shame in her game. Yikes. Big yikes. Soon, though, nosy neighbors been asking about the man who'd been hanging around. Dolly told him it was just her vagabond half-brother. <laughs> I don't know why my southern voice just keeps kicking in and out. But... I have noticed that, and I loved it. <laughs> So, well, they told Fred, and he was like a strange young man. Like, okay. So he asked Dolly, like, who's the dude? And she responded with, oh, that's just a book salesman who won't take no for an answer. Shows up about every damn day. By the way, the neighbors, mind your own business, Karen. That's kind of like a horrible, like, excuse, a book salesman. <laughs> Did, were there a lot of book salesmen in the 1920s going door to door? I don't know, but he bought it. <laughs> oh, my God. She can and will not stay away from Otto. So her plan was, I'm going to move that boy into the attic. And Otto was like, I'm game. Oh, my God. So... After realizing they were drawing attention on themselves, Dolly decided that Otto should take up residence in the attic. That way, he'd never be spotted coming in and out. So Otto quit his job at the factory, having no virtually, no family, began to spend all his time um, in that little hideaway attic of the house when he wasn't with Dolly. Um, she cleaned it up. She gave him an oil lamp. She gave him a comfortable bed to sleep in and a chamber pot. And he got to be close to the woman he loved all day. And he wanted to write. He wanted to be a writer. So um, since he didn't have to work, he could concentrate on writing his stories. And it was rent free. So, I mean, hell yeah. Um, he Good ran out. Auto. And he got books and he got pens and he got himself all ready to go. Um, he was only allowed in the attic, um, but never, ever, ever, ever go outside. When they weren't home, he would sweep their floors. He would do their dishes. He would make their beds. So she got this man to be his maid, too. Like, dang, Dolly. That's the sound of the whip. <laughs> oh, shit. And also they made bathtub gin together because why not? I mean, what else do you got to do all day? I mean, I always make bathtub gin, so <laughs> typical, typical yeah, thing to we do. We know you and your gin. Yeah. <laughs> now I got this on record to show Justin. But damn. <laughs> she... That out. <laughs> she added a padlock on the attic door. And when Fred asked why the padlock, she replied with that she was keeping her big, expensive furs safe. And Fred was just like, okay, sure. And that was it. Fred was probably like drunk most of this time. So he was probably just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> she would miss more work and more and more work. And later be noted that there was days that she didn't show up at all. And during those days, she made auto put out up to eight times a day. Dang. 
I'm a girl. Ow. Literally, like, I'm like, that's okay. Um, ouch. <laughs> a little painful. to hurt after a few times, you know? <laughs> hey, oh my God. Yeah. But this new arrangement meant that Otto could never leave the attic, like we said, or prying eyes would notice Karen. Um, he remained sequestered and started working on his Pulp Fiction stories, and he hoped to have them published to the Los Angeles Times. At night, he would read mysteries by candlelight, and then he'd write stories of adventure and lust by day. Most of them were while he was daydreaming of his dolly. And then when he wasn't doing that, he was making love to his dolly. A dolly would unlock the attic door when they would leave. Otto would roam the house, and he would eat any leftovers out of the fridge. And Fred would say, like, hey, what happened to all the food? And she would just, like, gaslight him and be like, dude, you ate it last night in your drunken stupor. And he'd be like, sounds legit. And walk away. He's like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Oh, my God. Uh, and Dolly could teach some things she shouldn't but she could she could she sounds like a top notch boss yeah <laughs> poor boss too also having your lover upstairs also means he can hear what's going on downstairs you know what I mean so when they would boom chicka boom boom downstairs Otto could hear it and she would tell Fred shh be quiet and he's like why she's like the neighbors well they'll hear us and that's just weird and awkward and he was like okay this man just was like going for anything she was saying i guess and then dolly would also guess like auto and be like i have to sleep with my husband or he will be suspicious so for us to be together i have to do that right she's like i pretty much am forced into it oh my god (laughs) so now this has been going on for one year and Fred would get paranoid saying he was hearing things. Dolly would say, no, I don't hear anything. She would say that it was the rats in the walls. And he was like, well, maybe. He actually heard Otto one night while he was in bed. I don't know if he like cleared his throat or coughed or he did something. And Dolly blamed it on him drinking too much. Oh if this wasn't so wrong, it'd be so funny. I I know I'm like I feel kind of like guilty for like finding this so entertaining and hilarious but it's just like wild that this 17 year old guy was literally in their attic for a whole freaking year and the (laughs) husband was just noticing things but she'd be like uh it's because you're drinking too much and he'd be like oh yeah you're probably right (laughs) like (laughs) oh my god so meanwhile, Otto's upstairs content daydreaming of Dolly writing his stories. He would put it on paper and write it down and then hand it to her and she would type it up and mail it out to the papers. And by the papers, I mean like the LA Times or, you know, wherever, because he couldn't use the typewriter because the click, 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 Fred would hear. A little too loud. So she had to do it. He eventually started making money, but Dolly just kept that. Bitch, dang. <laughs> oh my god. I'm telling you, she she hit some game. Like <sighs> she gave no Fs. <laughs> none. Fred was outside one day 
and he saw Otto in the window up in the attic. Uh, Otto, too close, bro. Buddy, you know better. What did we tell you? <laughs> but again, as Fred stormed off, Dolly was like, babe, babe, crazy. I'll go check it out, but I'm telling you, there's nothing there. So she did. She, you know, act like she went up there. She came down. She's like, there's nothing up there. She told him that he needed help. And so he went and got his mental health checked out. <laughs> she made him think that he was legit crazy. Dolly, you are just very mean now. Like, wow, she is such a grade A manipulator. Oh, my God. And also, if I was Fred and I saw, like, a figure in my attic window, I'd be like... <laughs> My stupid mind would be like, the house is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so Fred drank more and got more depressed, you know, vicious circle. At this point, it's now been a decade. Shut and up. I mean, a lot of work. Dolly, aren't you tired? I mean, he's been in the attic for like seven years, okay? No, like not even Dolly, are you tired? Like, Otto, aren't you tired? Like, don't you, like, want to, like, go experience more life <laughs> instead of this attic? It's now 1918, and Fred and Dolly, they head to a party, but they get into a fight, and he ditches Dolly at the party and heads home. And he walks in, and he sees Otto just sitting at the table having a nice meal. Oh, awkward. And Fred is like, what the what? Wait, I know. Don't you fix my machines at work? What are you doing here? Are you eating my food? Why are you eating my food? And Otto panics and just says, I'm sorry, I was hungry. <laughs> you know, and knowing Fred, he'd probably just be like, oh, okay, makes sense. <laughs> Fred's like, get the F out, dude, and kicked him out on his butt. So Dolly says, okay, new plan. Tells Otto, hey, I have your money from your stories. Go to L.A., write, be happy. Well, he did. He moved to L.A. and he wrote, but he wasn't happy. He missed Dolly. So Dolly convinced Fred we should move to L.A. Like, come on, the sunshine all the time. It'll be great. We can start over. So Fred caved again because he just wants his wife to be happy. And off they go to L.A. Wow, oh my gosh. From Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Man. So Dolly found a house overlooking Sunset Boulevard with an attic and sent Otto there early so he'd be waiting for her when she arrived. No way. She do it. She's pulling the attic stunt again. Big house, big attic. Soon Otto was back in. Oh my oh, God. No. I mean, like very quick. That's but Fred, crazy. But Fred was happy. He's thriving. He came out of retirement and opened a new factory. And he's like, I love you here. Best thing we've ever done. Leaving Otto and Dolly with lots of time on their hands. This poor freaking man. <laughs> My God. So now it's August 22nd, 1922. It's been 20 years now. And Dolly and Otto have been going strong for 15 years. He's, she's had as an addict lover. 
at the attic lover. <laughs> so now back to the night in question. So Fred and Dolly come home and fight as they walk in. When Otto overheard Dolly and Fred fighting from his attic, he heard a loud thud and immediately thought he had to save Dolly. Otto grabbed two 25 caliber guns and rushed down the stairs. He burst into the room where the couple were fighting, only Fred was not beating her. She tripped on a rug and bit it. Oops. <laughs> so he's standing there with two pistols. Fred recognized Otto from the factory and became extremely angry. Hey, food eating guy, again, what the fuck keeps happening? Like, I feel like at this why point- Why are you here again? I like, feel like Fred at this point has to be like, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> something's going on here. <laughs> so the two men struggle, they're fighting and you know, Otto's like Casper the ghost, like all pale and weak. I mean, he's living the flowers in the attic life here. I freaking bet he hasn't seen the sunlight in 20 years. (laughs) And Fred Fred was a big guy. And so they started to fight. Um, He's strangling Otto. Otto reaches for the gun. They struggle. The guns go off. Fred was shot three times and died instantly. Now, laying on the living room floor, Otto and Dolly panic. Okay, so neighbors are going to call the police, right? You know that, right? Otto locked Dolly in the closet from the outside, taking the key, the guns with him up to the attic. He knew the neighbors would report the gunshots, and this way, Dolly would have an alibi. She couldn't have shot her husband while locked away, and he stayed the whole time in the closet, I'm sorry, the attic, during the investigation. When the police arrived, Dolly indeed told them of a that there was a burglary and that the robber sh- shot Fred, took some expensive belongings, and then locked her in the closet before fleeing. Chief Klein couldn't prove it, but he's not buying it. Chief Klein also said that Dolly was one of the most toughest broads he's ever met. Like, she had an answer for everything. Now, she's been lying to everybody for 20 years, so she's probably gotten pretty good at it. Yeah, literally. But Klein knew there was more. He just had to dig deep. 1923. Now that Dolly Asterik was a widow, she moved into a new house and continued on with her life. One would assume that she and Otto would eventually bring their relationship to the open, allowing Otto to have a normal life. But instead, when Dolly moved her voluntary live-in sex slave um, up to the residence in her attic again. So he moved with her, but back up into an attic again, you go. Jesus. (laughs) Otto had managed to get, you know, a few stories published. And with his money, you know, the few nickels and dimes that he's earned here and there from Dolly. He purchased a new typewriter to keep writing. All while Dolly managed to get herself a new lover, a lawyer, Herman Shapiro. And one man is just not enough for her, huh? (laughs) Okay, so obviously it didn't take her long. She's now dating Herman Shapiro as well. On one of her dates, she handed him a diamond-encrusted watch and said she would like him to have it. 
It was her deceased husband's, but she thought that maybe he would like it. Weird gift to give somebody, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, she's dating the lawyer, but she still has lover Eric. I'm sorry, lover attic auto upstairs still. So just want to keep everybody up to date. Man, this girl, this girl just uh I mean, she really just gives she gives no apps. She's just like moving from yeah. guy to guy, just like whatever. She's like, I cannot just have one. I, she I think like maybe she just liked the like the like the secretiveness of it all like maybe that like excited her or something yeah and why i continue the next step google image her picture because she's not ugly by by any means but if you were here in the store you probably think she was kind of like a like a little miss monroe housewife yeah and she really is not like she just looks like a normal suburban housewife it's just kind of funny but you can look her yep you can interesting interesting <laughs> i see what you mean but dolly like her first husband shapiro spent long hours due to his profession so now she meets roy Klum, another lover to keep dolly occupied shut up she thought Klum might have be able to help her get rid of the guns that she used to shoot fred you know, she persuaded him to ditch the guns for her, explaining how it resembled the burglar's guns, but she was a hundred percent innocent. It just looks weird, and I don't want to get in trouble. And of course, he agreed a hundred percent. Red flags, red flags up. If I was him and someone said that to me, I'd be like, So you for sure shot him then, obviously. <laughs> like, so it was for sure you. <laughs> Clum tossed it into the Labrere tar pits. She then sweet-talked her neighbors into burying the other guns in the yard. Now, I wasn't sure what the tar pits were, and it is actually a museum. Um, the Active Paleontologist Research Site for Urban Los Angeles. Uh, Hancock Parkway was formed around the group of tar pits where natural asphalt has seeped up from the ground for tens of thousands of years over many centuries, and the tar preserved has like bones and had trapped animals in it. So I'm guessing you toss it in and it just sinks down. Okay. So it for sure would not ever be found there. <laughs> so that's what I see in my head. So also convincing her neighbor to get rid of the other gun. Um he asked she asked him to bury it and said that we're just gonna bury it and never talk about it and you know we're also just going to assume that they were just friends right never any affection there wink wink yeah yeah of course not (laughs) so Klein's still hanging around because he wants his moment so when Dolly eventually broke up with Klum a while later he went to the police saying I have a story for you ooh he was scorned (laughs) The gun was actually pulled from the tar pits, so I must not sink as much as I thought. And Dolly was taken into custody. Then her neighbor saw this on the news and was like, well, huh. And he went and dug up the other gun and he took it to the cops. But neither weapon could be tied to Dolly because the guns, well, they had corroded. But on top of that, 
she really wasn't the one that used them. This is true. This is true. With Dolly awaiting trial in jail, she pleaded with Shapiro, you have to do me this favor. Can you go to the grocery store, buy some groceries, go to my house, and I need you to tap on the ceiling bedroom closet three times. And then a gentleman will come out and he will take the groceries from you. And he's like, what? But he did it. You know, again, he's, she tried to convince him that it was her vagabond brother. But start for conversation with another male, Otto spilled the truth to Shapiro about the nature of him and Dolly's life. He told him, you know, I'm an estate lawyer, not a criminal lawyer. Oops. So apparently the fact that she had kept the man in the attic was, was not a deal breaker, though. He's going to overlook it. Wow. Men in her Very, forgiving. Very forgiving. <laughs> he told Dolly they could make this work, but Otto has to go. And there's no way he was going to have this crumb snatcher living upstairs in his attic. And Dolly agreed. She's like, okay, in one condition, you have to get him a job in San Francisco as a janitor and we'll have him go. And he did. And he moved and he ended up marrying a woman named Matilda. He had children and he never even tried to contact Dolly ever again. That is actually a huge plot twist in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Shapiro essentially told Otto to get lost and Dolly got released on bail. As the lawyer promptly moved in with her, all charges against Dolly were dropped. That is until seven years later when things became irreparable between Dolly and Shapiro. He moved out and then he told the police what he had gathered in the crime against Fred Ostrich. Yeah, Dolly didn't know all the knowledge that was passed around between the men. So warrants again were issued for Dolly, and this time Otto as well. A juror found that Otto was guilty of manslaughter, even after his defense stated that Dolly enslaved him as a sex slave. Nice try, but... He was left home so many times while he was cooking and cleaning. He could have walked out the front door. Yeah, what? So, but the press loved the story. The trial became known as the Batman case. Um, since Otto had been kept in a secluded cave like a bat. Batman case. <laughs> yeah, because I think this is like before Batman, you know. Maybe this is like where somebody got the name of Batman and got the idea of Batman. <laughs> Maybe. Um, That would be actually iconic. He also told all the things he did during court. He's like, yes, I made the beds. I changed the linen twice a week. I cleaned the house. I cleaned Fred's suits. I dusted his shoes. He had a lot of nice things, and he should look nice, and they should be kept in order. He cleaned the floors. He washed their veggies. He made sure everything was tip-top, and Dolly got a lot of compliments on all her clean things. And he claimed that the shooting really was an accident. It was not on purpose. 
Nevertheless, the statute of limitations on the manslaughter had ran out, so Otto was a furry man. Wow. Dolly went on trial um, for a conspiracy charge, but also walked free after a hung juror. An indictment was eventually dropped in 1936. She died in 1961 at the age of 80, hopefully having learned a thing or two about relationships. Um, no one knows what happened to Otto after he was free. Otto says that Dolly was the only one who cared about him. That's why he stayed so long, but she really was a greedy bitch. <laughs> so, you know, good golly, Miss Dolly. Um, maybe one too many lovers at the end of the day. Also, where is the time? Because I'm finishing this right now and I'm tired and I'm spent and I'm done and game over for me. I want my bed. Oh my God. Before you go to your bed, I need to just unpack how I'm feeling. No, that's what I was. I know. I was just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you thought I was like, bye. See ya. I'm oh, done. No. This has to be one of my new favorite stories. Same. So good. Um, Like, I feel bad for Fred. I feel like Otto is stupid. <laughs> like, crazy. And I feel like Dolly just, like, I don't know. Like, do I kind of respect her or not really? <laughs> I can't really tell because she's horrible but like she never forced anyone to do anything <laughs> you know she just twisted it to like be how she wanted it to be I guess she I'm not condoning queen, this queen manipulator yeah like it's so wild to me like that just is insane that this man was living in her attic multiple attics over like a span of over 20 years that's truly wild like that's like actually insane that people live lives like that <laughs> you know what i mean and the fact that she's like okay so i got my husband i got an attic lover but then i got my boyfriend yeah she was just jumping all over the place but i mean if pat told me that he has a woman living in the attic, but my house was legit on point clean. Like my <laughs> shoes were dusted and veggies were cleaned. I mean, man. can't really complain, you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could work something out. Like, I, mean... I guess she could stay, but um, <laughs> she has to. She she has to mow the lawn and take the garbage out and do all the other stuff too. <laughs> Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the fact that he, like, turned into, like, their maid. It's just so strange to me that he would want to stay in that situation for so long. Like, I, I understand he says that he loved her. And he was super young when this started. So maybe he just didn't know. But it's just like, oh, my God. He missed so much, like, life and, like, the outside world. And, like, I'm sure writing opportunities and stuff like that he missed. All because, like, he was, like, banging this old lady eight times a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's just... Uh, oh, Fred. Oh, Fred. Oh, Fred Bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Fred. Well, I feel like Fred meant well, but you know, he was having his own issues and he was just like taking he was whatever. Too many nights with Jack and Jim and Jose. and Yeah, he had his men, she had hers, you know. Right. <laughs> so Crystal told her story dark. I told my story a little bit lighter. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, it's not exactly the same, but it was just another behind the wall thing. That was my link. Um, so I had my cousin over and my son was home and we had a Mexican fiesta and we watched a movie and it's been a minute since we did like a horror thriller movie. Um, but we figured we would, uh, test the waters and put another horror movie out there. So Crystal is going to give you a little bit of juice on Stir of Echoes. Yes, yes. Uh, Lo introduced me to this movie, as she does with a lot of movies. Appreciate <laughs> it. She keeps me uh, keeps me aware of all these. And this was really good. Um, I have like a few facts on it and then you know, me and Lo can talk about like parts that stuck out to us and stuff too. And then I have some fun facts, but so Stir of Echoes, um, it is a 1999 American supernatural horror film. Uh, it was written and directed by David Coop, and it was based on the 1958 novel, um, which had the same name, Stir of Echoes by Richard Matheson. And the film has Kevin Bacon in it, Catherine Erb, Ileana Douglas and Kevin Dunn and still had the cute butt jeans just want to tell you yeah okay Kevin Bacon never really I mean he's older than me I never really was like super into any of his movies or anything so I never really like looked at him like that but I was watching this movie and I was like damn Kevin Bacon could get it There is a scene in the movie where he's having a little bit of Animeville dad vibes. Um, instead of chopping wood, he's digging holes. And But again, same like the Ryan Reynolds. He just, the abs were just yeah, point. It was, yeah, it was the arms for me too. Like he was just like angrily, intensely digging. And I was just like mesmerized by the screen. <laughs> it's like, okay. I see you, Kevin Bacon. I see you. <laughs> um, so he plays Tom Witzke in the movie, and he's like a telephone worker. And he starts experiencing like a series of these weird visions and like scary visions um, after he gets hypnotized by his sister-in-law. So he's kind of like, I feel like in the beginning of the movie talking a lot about how his life is kind of like not lived up to what he's expected it to like he's kind of like not bored with his life but like kind of like he wishes he made like bigger moves and like made different decisions and stuff like that um which is interesting because then he obviously his life gets a little a little twisted around once the movie continues on and he gets what he asked for basically just not what he was expecting (laughs) So, yeah, they go to him and his wife, they go to this party and kind of where everything like twists and like takes a turn um, is at this party. His sister-in-law is talking about how she hypnotizes people and whatever. And 
you know, Tom is kind of like laughing about it, basically making fun of her saying like, you know, it's not real or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, yeah, hypnotize me then like try and hypnotize me. Uh, And she kind of hesitates because she's like, you know, you're drinking and like, this isn't the right setting and the right environment, but he keeps like pushing it anyways. Um, So she's like, fine. All right, fine. You know, I'll hypnotize you. And we kind of talked about this while we were watching it. But like the way that she was hypnotizing him was like weird and like creepy. I don't know. I've never been hypnotized, but she was like telling him to like picture like a really dark theater. Everything's turning black and like zooming in on things. And it just felt like kind of like creepy to me, at least. Yeah. Instead of taking him to, you know, a field of dandelions. Right. <laughs> she like took him kind of to like a dark place. <laughs> Um, and we had to see like a flash of like a weird vision, but like we really couldn't see what it was, but he wakes up and he's like, basically has tears on his face and his friends are all laughing because they said that he was like sobbing about like this bully that he had in school. So, you know, he feels really, he's like, I want to go home. He felt like weird about the situation because obviously like it affected him and he didn't think that he would even like anything would even happen. Um, but ever since he got hypnotized, he just started seeing all these like weird visions and like feeling super weird. You know, he kept seeing um, the like this broken finger, um, all these lights flashing at him. He was like trying to like think of this familiar song, like to the point where he's like searching through all these like music records, trying to find it. And then he sees this girl like like a ghost girl basically and he's trying to like find her again and like figure out what's going on like who she is um and we kind of see like through the movie too like their son i don't know how old he is he's probably like seven six or seven i would guess right maybe even younger around that um but i also want to note real quick um and you can continue on before all this started her sister knew by looking at Kevin Bacon's wife, she's like, you're pregnant with a girl. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's, and Kevin Bacon kind of like, I don't know if he was joking or serious, but he did in a matter kind of call her like, oh, you're a witch of a sister. Kind of like witchcrafty, not like she's a bitch or anything, you know? Right. Uh, but he would refer, refer to her as like the witch man well clearly she she's got some sort of thing going on because i mean for one to just like know that i mean some people have like good intuition but she clearly has something more going on there and so does yeah so their son also i feel like kind of maybe this is running in their their whole family um because their son talks to this like ghost girl um and he calls her samantha and he's kind of like we see him like talking we don't see her but we see him like talking to like you know the side where like nothing's there or like the wall or something like that um and like she's even like making not suggestions for him but like like the mom was like trying to find a babysitter and he just casually said oh samantha um says that you should ask you know this person if they can babysit i can't remember her name but the mom's kind of on the phone and she's distracted. So she doesn't even pay attention to like the name Samantha or whatever. She's just like, oh, I'll try calling them. Yeah. And so like the babysitter comes and she's just reading and um, 
the little boy's up in his room and she hears like the weird talking he's like he's like honestly they would freak me out if I was her because he's like um yeah I haven't seen her yet yeah I don't know like and she's just like what's going on so she goes up there and then he tells her like he says the name Samantha and she clearly gets very triggered um because she's like what did you say what did you say whose name did you say and then she like grabs him and runs out of the house with him and Tom with all his like new crazy visions he's like knows something is off and so he starts running bolting to get back home and they end up finding the babysitter and their son at like this train station or something and you know they obviously think that she's like kidnapping him but really her sister we find out her name was samantha and she like went missing um, so like she's like you know you know where my sister is you know obviously I would think the same thing if like my sister was missing and then this kid just started talking about her name <laughs> so Tom's just getting more and more visions and signs to basically like leading him to start like digging up the whole house and backyard this is kind of the scene Lo was talking about with him digging and he literally it's so insane how much he dug by himself like if you actually look at it like his whole backyard is just completely tore up. And then he moves to the basement and he just starts hacking away at all the concrete, like the flooring, the side of the basement walls, like all of this. He's just like nonstop going to town. I'm like, oh my God, good thing he's in good shape because otherwise that would have taken way longer. <laughs> yeah, I love how they make it look like he did it all in one day. Yeah, like like anybody could do that. Like even went to the store to like get tools and everything. I'm like, this would be like, I feel like at least a couple weeks worth of, of work right there. We kind of talked about this too, how his wife kind of bothered us a little bit in this movie because she like thinks he's going crazy, even though she had like a conversation with this man that came up to her and her son um, at this funeral saying like oh I know your son has this special gift like they knew each other's names and he like told her that her husband had this special gift and to like meet him at this place and she's still just like like just getting irritated that he's drinking orange juice nonstop. you know what I mean so much orange juice (laughs) so much um but yeah they call it the flashlight and just to kind of give you guys an idea if you haven't seen this movie to me i got a lot of the shining vibes um not the crazy dad part i mean some parts right but (laughs) he wasn't gonna hurt his family at all it wasn't that it wasn't dark on his family um but the way the little boy could talk and it was almost like the dad and him had it the mom clearly didn't but i like the little boy was, you know, I mean, he didn't talk to Tony, his finger, but a lot of like, I don't know if it was strictly ghost, if there's a little telepathic, you know, whatever. But yeah, it gave me the the shining vibes as far as like the little boy and stuff. Yeah, you're definitely not the only one who thought that too. Because when I was kind of like looking up stuff for this and like looking up different facts and whatever, um, that was something that people noticed also like kind of comparing it to that as well. So I wonder if they kind of 
you know, use that as inspiration or something for this. Maybe. Um, but, but yeah. Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, like, agreeing with Kay said was we were just annoyed that, um, you know, he even tells her, I'm not right. I don't feel good. Something's wrong. Your sister did something. She opened up something. She even calls her sister. And I was like, what did you say to him? Like, what did you do? She's like, you need to fix it, you know, because this is like, oh, I dropped some stuff, like, you know, told them to be more open minded, you know, and she's like, they're like, just fix it, you know, whatever it is, but she can't because she opened something she can't close. But the irritation was like, you know, he's really going through something and you're just like, geez, and just like annoyed, like, what is your problem? Like, it's deeper than that, sis, like. Right. Yeah. Her and her sister both like got on my nerves because yeah, like you said, she was just like more annoyed with the situation than like actually trying to like fix it or help or like figure out how to make it stop. And her sister like annoyed me because she was just kind of like so chill about it. And so like, oh, like, I don't know, she didn't take any responsibility either for, like, being the one to, like, hypnotize him and, like, kind of start this whole thing. She was just kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> you know, good luck. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he's just digging away. And then eventually he finds Samantha's corpse in the wall of his, like, basement after hacking away at it. Um, And once he, like, grabs the, like, corpse's hand he like has a vision of everything that happened to her and you know basically it it was showing him how the the neighborhood boys like called her over into that house while it was being like renovated and they ended up one of them ended up raping her and then you know they were holding her down and the other one suffocated her with this plastic wrap and that's how she ultimately died um so it kind of just took him through everything that happened and that was really sad to watch you know because I feel like they made it pretty realistic too like on how a situation like that would happen um you know they weren't planning on killing her but it kind of just escalated and then happened that way um one of the neighbor boys dads was Tom's really good friend and so he like shows up to the house or no, he brings him over there and the other dad shows up to the house and they both have guns. And the one dad is like, basically, I mean, seems like he's going to kill Tom. Like, he's just like, I'm going to kill you because I want to protect my son or whatever. And then thankfully his friend steps up and is like, no, I'm not going to let this happen. This is wrong. Even though his son's reputation and life was on the line and he shot the other guy. So I thought that was cool that his friend kind of stood up, even though his son was the one that was involved also. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so in the end, it's like a happy, happy, pretty happy ending. Samantha kind of, we see her like her soul get freed or whatever and like walk away. Um. But yeah, it was definitely definitely a cool movie. Um, I liked it a lot. And thank you, Lo, for 
introducing me to it. You're welcome. <laughs> They're worse. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but I mean, like I said, it wasn't completely linked to the stuff we had, but I just figured with her corpse being in the body, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in the body, the, the corpse is in the body <laughs> with her corpse being in the wall. Um, it was just kind of a minor link. Of- oh yeah. Yeah. They all have all three kind of have that same, uh, same similar situation, just in three different ways. <laughs> You know, and I did like how they made this kind of a thriller movie. I wouldn't even really call it a horror movie because it wasn't that scary. Yeah. I liked all, like, like the biggest demons was trying to figure out what was going on because she was a ghost, but she wasn't evil. She was just trying to get the little boy to say, hey, tell them I'm here, you know. And um, so I kind of liked that, like, because you didn't really know what was going on until the end. You just knew something. Um, but it was, uh, it was good. It was, and it was funny because the next day I went to work and I went in the kitchen and I walked around the corner and there was like four empty jugs of orange, orange juice on their counter. And I'm like, dude, like, that's actually crazy. I wanted to open up the fridge to see if it was like, (laughs) like the movie, but I didn't because it's not my business, but (laughs) that is crazy though because like who has that much orange juice you know what i mean and like to see that the day after we watch this movie where this guy's just chugging like then their fridge is filled with orange juice and i was like oh my god i gotta take this picture and send it to lisa and crystal yes i literally laughed i actually lol'd i actually laughed out loud because i was like no way (laughs) thank you for listening yeah Um, definitely um so hopefully we can try to entwine go back and do some you know horror movies um we'll try to watch one and maybe do a small you know thought talk about it quickly critique it um along with our uh true crimes and again any recommendations stories missing unsolved horror movie let us know um we will do what you ask i mean with limitations yeah (laughs) but um let us know because we're always up to to watch or research whatever yes definitely yeah i feel like if you you guys recommend one to us i feel like like 99.9 percent uh for sure gonna do it for you so yeah we've had a couple of people reached out and we've done them so hopefully it was up to their expectations yes um, but... but yeah great story Lobe. honestly that's one for the books for me that was amazing <laughs> You're good welcome. pick good pick thanks. Thanks. um and yeah thank you guys so much for listening uh oh, you- and real quick i just want to note that i did get it from allthingsinteresting.com and gruesome did a story on it um so i did get a little bit from them they probably told it a little bit better than me um, like my gruesome girls but um and also wikipedia but most of it was allthingsinteresting.com shout out (laughs) um yeah i loved it it was amazing (laughs) and we'll be back next week with another story that hopefully we love also (laughs) absolutely (laughs) this one big yes (laughs) nail it until next time stay creepy
We got to go. Bye. Bye.